Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. Every little bit helps. Today, we are joined by Canadian country musician Allie Walker. Now, she grew up in Prince Edward Island, and music was a big part to her childhood. She started piano at a young age, she moved into the drums, and she actually learned the bagpipes at a very high level. And then in high school, she moved into singing and playing guitar. That's when her love of performing really grew. Now, after a year of university at home, she packed her bags and she moved to Toronto to chase the dream of a career in music. Now, 10 years later, she continues to chase that dream. And the positive thing is, it has been a continuous uphill climb to success. She recently released her new single, Country Music, and is set to release a new album next year. So please enjoy our conversation with Ali Walker. You started on the piano. Now, what age were you when that started for you on the piano and sort of getting into music that way? I started on the piano, I would say maybe age five. I think it was just something that, you know, my parents put me in because they knew it would be great for later in life to have, uh, to be able to play piano, but I really didn't enjoy it at all. Um, And I wish I stuck with it because I feel like people who play piano are just like better at everything because it has such a good foundation of theory. Um, so I didn't stick with it, but I can play it now. Like I can just pick it up and, and write a song, which is like really all I need to do for right now. But then I went on to drums because yes. I was the biggest tomboy ever. And I love like Avril Lavigne and some 41 and Our Lady Peace. So I was just, you know, jamming out on the drums. So what was it about the drums at that point that made you sort of want to switch from the piano to that and drums was even before you sort of got the love for the guitar, right? I think I was just a huge tomboy. Like, I don't even know why I wanted to play the drums. I always hung out with guys and, you know, they were skateboarders and they played guitar and they played drums. And I was in, oh, I, I played percussion in in school I think that was maybe I just couldn't play anything else or they were like you're a percussion girl (laughs) so like you know playing the triangle and the xylophone and then we got to play the drums too and I think I just maybe wanted to practice at home or something and I begged my dad for like a solid year for a, a drum set and he totally convinced me that no we're not getting you one and then on Christmas day he surprised me with just the snare drum. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with just the snare drum? But then he's like, go to the garage. And it was like, it's the, it was the best Christmas ever. And I have a Christmas song out where I just like put together all my little clips from home, like home, home videos. And I have that clip in there where um, I got to see the drums for the first time. And so how far did you go on the drums? Like, is that something that you can play at this point? If you were to play it on an album or on stage, could you actually hold your own at this point? I would need to do some serious practicing. Um, I think, you know, how like, I don't know if you follow Justin Bieber at all, but sometimes he like goes behind the drums and he like does a little something, something just as flair for his show. Yeah. 
I see me like later in life, once I've got like a big show where I like kind of do that whole thing where I can go back and I can be like, Hey, look, I can play the drums. Um, and I was in a show actually, when I was like 19, it was a dinner theater show where you acted and you sang and you played every instrument. And so I did, I got to like play drums and sing at the same time. And so I would say I would need some practicing, but yes. (laughs) and on stage as well when you get a big show is there going to be any bagpiping involved because that's an instrument that you learned growing up as well right yeah that one was the one I stuck with the most I loved it so much I competed at a pretty high level oh really oh yeah like I went we won my band and I won the North American championships in Ontario which got us the qualification to go to the worlds in Scotland so our whole band went to Ireland first and then Scotland, and we got fourth, I think, in the world for our grade. Like we were in kind of a lower grade, but um, it was awesome. And and then I competed solo as well. And then I also like it was a good money maker as a teenager. So I would be playing all of the funerals and weddings and <laughs> like every because I'm from PEI and yeah. bagpiping is like it's pretty normal in PEI because a lot of people actually do play the bagpipes and there's probably a lot of like Scottish heritage or something so they're always asking for a bagpiper to like march an important person into a dinner or you know things like that so I made good money as a teenager playing the bagpipes but show wise I have like I have with my cover band back in the day like I don't know five years ago I have an electric bagpipe so you can actually plug it into the PA oh really and yeah and bagpipes are very hard to get on tune so this one it can change like any key so whatever the key of the song is the bagpipes can go to and uh, I would play it and it you know I don't know if it went over amazing because in Toronto it's like just play some rock music we don't care about country (laughs) we don't care about Celtic so yeah it would have to be the right song that is awesome. I didn't even know they had electric bagpipes. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're called red pipes or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You just plug them right in. That's awesome. And so growing up all this instrumentation and learning these instruments, where did that come from? Were your parents musical people that kind of guided you into this or was it all on your own that you sort of gained this love as you grew? No, my parents weren't musical at all. Like they can both sing on key, which is good. Well. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, they can. But no, I, they were just the type of parents that put you in everything to see like what I liked, uh, which was a good and bad thing because as soon as I got bored with something, I'm like, okay, next. So <laughs> I tried, I tried everything from every sport to every musical instrument to dancing, um, which was great actually because I got to realize, oh, I really do love bagpiping. Or once I got into singing, oh, I really love singing and, and music. So not musical whatsoever. Um, but it was just because they put me in everything. And then I found out what I actually like. And the singing, I believe, came in high school for you. So was that something that came natural for you? Or when you discovered that you did enjoy it, did you have to work quite a bit at it to sort of gain that voice? Yeah, without sounding too into myself, <laughs> I am the type of person that I am good at a lot of things. Like, I'll just pick it up really well. But singing, I had to work at. And it, it didn't come natu- as naturally as, as like a sport or something else. So it was, I think maybe that was what I liked about it is there was a challenge and I could 
see myself getting better and better and better. So there was that progress. So when I auditioned for my high school musical, I never sung a note in public ever. Like I, when, when my parents left the house, I would shut all the doors, lock, lock everything. And then, you know, sing Celine Dion or Martina McBride um, to, you know, a YouTube karaoke track or something, but no one right. had ever heard me. So I auditioned and I got the lead female role in Footloose. And uh, God, I'm glad that nobody probably recorded it back then because <laughs> I was probably terrible. Uh, like I just, I had no idea how to sing, but they gave, they gave me the opportunity, which totally changed, you know, my whole life. And then that summer I took lessons from the university professor at the university of Prince Edward Island to get into the music program at right. university. So I took a bunch of lessons, but that's in classical music. So it's using like a completely different part of your voice, like your upper kind of opera voice. And I, so I spent the year in university and I learned like theory stuff and, and different singing techniques, but it just wasn't the space that I wanted to be in, obviously country. So then I was in the dinner theater that summer where it was like so fun and I got to act and sing and play all the instruments. And I'm like, oh, I really need to do this like full time. So then I moved to Toronto. You basically picked yourself up to move to Toronto from PEI on your own. You had one suitcase, you had no money, and you just decided to do this. And so what was it within you that just spurred that on to say, I don't have anything, but I'm doing this? Yeah. I mean, I made some money that summer. I remember saying I was a thousand there. So I probably had like $1,500. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a lot of money for me back then. Um, And I had been really toying that summer with like, you know, do I want to go back to university? Do I want to like, you know, make my parents proud and, you know, be a nurse or a lawyer or a doctor? Because I always had good grades in school. So they just expected me to do something like great right. <laughs> and not like be a starving artist for 10 years. <laughs> um, and then I, I don't know, something just clicked because I was in that dinner theater and I loved it so much that I just saved up all my money and I always wanted to live in New York city. Oh, so okay. this going to Toronto was the Canadian New York city of not having to get a visa and not having to leave the country. And I had one relative about an hour outside of Toronto. So if anything went haywire, I knew one person. So yeah, it was like September, the end of the summer. And I just packed up literally one suitcase, my guitar, my 1500 bucks and (laughs) moved to Toronto. I knew, I knew one girl who was on my volleyball team and she had been in Toronto going to university and she had this tiny little bachelor apartment, like right at Young and Dundas square, which is like the Times Square of, of, of Toronto. Yeah. And uh, she let me sleep on her floor. And after oh, like two nights, she was like, no, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. So wow. then I knew, I kind of knew someone else. It was the writer of the dinner theater. I was in that summer's girlfriend. She had a place and I messaged her. Like I was so fearless. Like I would never do that now. Just be like, <laughs> Hey, I, I don't really know you, but can I stay at your condo? Um, And then she let me sleep on her dining room floor (laughs) for like two days. And then uh, in Toronto, there's like a huge street called Young Street that is like, I think it's like the longest street in Canada or something. Um, But it goes, it's like the main artery downtown. And I walked from the water 
to upper Toronto, just going to every single apartment building along Young Street, asking if there was any vacancies. And it was like two days before the end of the month. And I found one like at the very top finally, but oh, wow. I had, I had no credit. So I was like 19. So I had to go back and forth with my parents to get them to like co-sign for me to get the, the apartment. And it was so stressful, but like, again, you're 19 and I just, I just never, never really thought anything of it. You just go for it. Yeah, that's crazy. I was going to ask if there was any point in that time where it's just like, no, what am I doing? I'm going home. Like, this is just nuts. There wasn't any of that. It was just like, this is what I want to do. I'm 19 and who cares? Yeah, I have, I've never missed home, which like, I love PEI and I know that sounds terrible to say Prince Edward Island, but Uh, And I do have like a soft spot for it, but I was so ready to go. I had like issues with friends and bullying. And it was like, it it also spilled into university because it's so small that you like your high school friends, you also go to university with those same people and we room together. And I was like, I need to get away from these people. So that was a big reason why I left as well. So I was like, I need to get away from these girls. Um, and then, you know, Toronto, you meet all these new people. And like most of my friends are, are people that I've met here in the last 10 years. Right. And so you're in Toronto for about a year and you go to a Rascal Flat show at the Budweiser stage. Now going to that show, before we talk about what happened at that show, what was your mind frame at that point? Were you performing? Were you into the music at that point? Or were you still trying to get a foothold and figure out what to do? Well, before I went to Toronto, I made this little four song demo EP thing. Like I put it online and I, I really hope you can't find it, but (laughs) like people from back home, like I sold my little CDs and and they have that. So I came here with that and I came with like a binder of like my bio and headshots. And I was like ready. As soon as I met someone in the industry, I was like ready to be like, here's my demo and EPK package. Um, so I was working at a restaurant called Grace O'Malley's and I think like just one of the regulars gave me tickets that night and my husband now was also going because it was just a very like close-knit restaurant everyone was friends and he used to perform in his cover band at that bar so we all went together and I can specifically remember him coming up to me and like saying hi being super nice to me and I was still like the new girl that was young and like no one really cared to be friends with so he was so kind and I was like oh my god thanks for saying hi to me so we went to that concert and um a girl that was working with me and it was friends with him said hey Allie's new ish to town um you guys should write or like you should help her (laughs) like the poor girl doesn't know anybody here and I hadn't done any writing for that whole first year so we started writing songs together after we met at the Rascal Flats concert so he would hook me up with any kind of writers he knew and um he booked my first trip to Nashville um and called up the one person in Nashville he knew which was a guy named Dave Kalmuski who does a ton of amazing stuff still like he does a lot of stuff with Mickey Guyton he he did some stuff with Carrie Underwood recently but he was like cool don't have time but (laughs) (laughs) and then sent me off to someone else his name's Danik Dupel and uh, he's the guitar player in Emerson Drive and Emerson Drive was just kind of slowing down like they had lots of American hits and Canadian hits 
they were slowing down a bit. So he was getting into producing. So I was like the first person ever 10 years ago that he did demos with. So he actually took me under his wing and like, I was writing with writers probably that I shouldn't even been writing with because I had hardly written a song in my life. Uh, <laughs> but it was such great experience. But from going to Nashville a few times, I was like, okay, I have a lot of work to do to like get to that level. Cause anybody who goes to Nashville, especially if you're just like starting out, it's like, whoa, I have a lot of work to do. So I kind of like stopped going to Nashville for a few years, came back to Ontario and just like did the work, like played all the festivals, all like, there's just so much work to be done. And yeah. The 10,000 hours, you know? And we should mention that your husband, he was a musician for quite a while before you met him. So he had those connections and he was a musician as well. And you guys started a cover band, right? And that was sort of the start of that 10,000 hours. And you would basically play anywhere you could for free or if you had to pay to play. And so what was that time like just mentally for you in sort of knowing you were building a career but maybe having to fight through that thought of what am I doing? This is so hard. Is this, is this what it's always going to be like? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It was a lot of that. So we did start a cover band. He was a drummer his whole life. He played with a lots of great Canadian acts and he saw me and he was like kind of the same thing as I thought when I went to Nashville was like, you've got the drive and you really want to do this, but you have a lot of work to do. So he kind of took me under his wing and we made a cover band together. So he was uh, actually playing guitar and singing with me like as a duo, because I just wasn't even comfortable enough to like, you know, run a band myself and be the solo artist at that point. Right. So we would, and, or, you know, you have to do like three, we do three 45 minute sets and it was just too much for me to learn all of that on my own. So he would do all the guy songs and I would do all the girl songs. Oh, okay. And then over the years, he moved back to the drums and he would just sing a few songs to fill out the night. And then now he's pretty much like doing sound or just kind of supporting and stuff. So, cause I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't need that anymore. And like you said, there's a lot of times where it's like, Oh my God, am I going to be doing this forever? I don't want to do this. You're getting home at, or 5 a.m. We have a trailer full of gear that we're lugging in and out so that people don't steal the, the stuff <laughs> in the trailer. So we lug it into the house every night. And a lot of times it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. So it's long. Um, and the process, yeah, you're like, am I going to do this forever? Also, while you're doing that, it's great to sing covers and learn how to sing in other people's voice and just learn different genres, really. Like I wouldn't have learned a lot of the R&B stuff or rock stuff or classic, you know, classic rock stuff. And I got to do that in the cover band. So it right. kind of, you know, got my knowledge up a little as well. <laughs> but it kind of muddies who you are. And when you're trying to discover who you are as an artist, because right. you're like, oh, I'm just going to be like Carrie Underwood. I'm just going to be like Taylor Swift because you're playing so much of that. Yeah. I actually did a Taylor Swift tribute show for years oh really where like I put on a wig that looked exactly like her and I'd play like kids events and played malls and played like the most <laughs> random events that's but awesome all of that it like it goes under your belt to make you better and 
I think one day my husband just said like, you'll learn something new at every single gig that, you know, you can take and put in your tool belt. And it's so true. I think something just switched that day where it was like, okay, I'm going to learn something in every gig, or, you know, maybe if the sound completely turns off for 15 minutes, how are you going to, you know, make your audience still engaged? Right. So you can't get that unless you have that experience. And you talked about off the beginning, not necessarily being comfortable enough to be on stage alone and needing your husband there. Now talk about that anxiety, because I know it's something that you have dealt with for many years. And it was actually like almost debilitating, right? To the, to the point where you weren't able to do activities because of it. So just talk about that. And is it something that you have overcome or is it sort of a daily struggle to continue to battle that? Yeah, I had anxiety over everything growing up, like first day of basketball camp, throwing up first day of school, throwing up, like to the point, like it's so much anxiety where I am like throwing up and not in an eating disorder way at all. It's just, I'm so nervous that it just like expels from me. Right. And I was doing like a radio contest. I've I've gotten sick many times before going on stage, but I specifically remember uh, this radio contest and they were calling my name like and next Allie Walker and I was in the bathroom throwing up so I like literally had to just like you know, wipe my face and go and I had to seriously work to get over that and I think it was just like once I started getting into personal development and podcasts and really understanding like where the anxiety is coming from and it really stemmed from just not feeling good enough or not feeling prepared enough so now when I do a gig, I just make sure I'm 100% prepared. I know my lyrics. I'm confident and also not caring what the audience thinks. So, right. you know, back in the day, obviously I wasn't as good. So I would always think, oh, they hate me or I'm not doing well. Or is that person over there? They're talking to each other. They must be talking about me. So right. I just had to get past that. Like, no, I'm here. I'm good enough. They want to hear me. I'm going to do great. So it's a lot of like, you know, self, self-motivating. The nerves are still there, but um, I think I just have like the coping mechanisms now to get through it. But it was like 30 years of anxiety. Oh, wow. And so what was it dealing with that anxiety? And then you go into not only music, but also modeling and acting. Those are three areas that are probably the most judgmental careers that you could ever go into. And so what was it off the start? And when you decided to sort of go both feet into modeling, like what was it within you in dealing with that anxiety, but being like, no, I, this is what I want to do. I think that like people think anxiety means like shy and not confident, but I always, I've always been confident, but I've always had anxiety. So it's like two different things. So I've always like believed in myself, but I'm also like worried if I'm going to mess up, you know, it's like confident, but overthinking. Right. And yeah, a lot of times when I'm like super nervous about to get on stage, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? You know, <laughs> like, why am I putting myself through this hell? Because after the gig, I'm like, wow, that was awesome. It's so fun. And, and I think the high that you get after a gig is what just keeps me going. But yeah, the modeling, like, why would I go into something where people are just going to judge me all the time? I'm not sure. But <laughs> I've always, I always wanted to be a model. Like in high school, I was the voted 
uh, most likely to be on Canada's Next Top Model or something. Oh, okay. And I always try and just like check stuff off on my life bucket list. And being a model was one of them. But I also at that time had like was breaking out really bad with acne. And that is like very, it ties into anxiety as well. And like my mental health going downhill because I just obviously was worried about a client booking me and then I show up with acne. So then you're anxious about, you know, them not being happy with you. And again, judging you for what you look like. So that was a journey of like getting through what people think, but it's, it's more than what they think it's like they're actually a paying client and you're supposed to come with clear skin so yes I don't know why I put myself in these situations but it was more of like a bucket list thing and now I can say that I did lots of cool modeling gigs so that's awesome and going into your debut album in 2019 it was it was really based on sort of overcoming those issues of anxiety of loving yourself and so Going into that album, were you doing a lot of work like therapy counseling or was that album really something that helped you get through that time and help you sort of raise up and realize that you were more than maybe what you saw in the mirror? Yeah. So the whole acne thing definitely started my, my self-development journey and I actually had never I've never gone to a therapist or a counselor but I just took it totally into my own hands and like brainwashed my mind into positivity and like self-development so I listened to every podcast I could at all times like I'd wake up put it on brush my teeth always have something going on and you can learn so much because a lot of times um, these self-development podcasts have therapists that come on and give you tools right Um, or you know people who have been through maybe similar things and so I just did all that I read all the books and and then music so I would be writing how I'm feeling and I really wasn't planning on putting any of it out but when I was being like a little more vulnerable on social media, like I posted my first picture with like face full acne and and I realized people do actually like things that they can relate to. So yeah, people, because I was before that, I was kind of playing the comparison game and like the Instagram game where you're totally like face tune your face and make you look way better than you are. And, and, you know, I'm glad I, I don't do that anymore. And I just think it's, a terrible thing for like young people to to feel like they have to do that. But I did get trapped in that. But then once you go through the self-development and and writing songs about it, it was like the audience came basically, (laughs) you know, they're like, wow, I can relate to this girl. And so then I did start putting the songs out and then each song kind of had to do with like mental health or bullying or loving yourself. And I didn't want it to come across in a way where I was preaching it because I was literally going through it still. Like a lot of times when people are preaching it, it's really, they're going through it still and they want to like still have that conversation. So I can look back on it now and just really realize those songs were like tools, even for myself. And so going into that album, that was your debut album. So after all those hours you've put in, you're going into this album that you've written yourself. You didn't have any co-writers. You wrote it yourself. I mean, maybe your husband helped you along the way, but it was your writing. It's your debut album after all these years of grinding to find out who you are as an artist. So what was that moment like when you started putting out those songs and sort of that realization that you were becoming an artist? 
Oh, it was so nice because being a perfectionist as well, you never want to put something out unless you feel like it's a hundred percent perfect. And I never thought I was ready. Right. Um, I wanted to be ready and, and I would say, yeah, I'm good to go. But I'm like, no, I could get better at this or I could get better at this. It was also like, okay, you've been at this for 10 years. Let's just put something out. It doesn't have to be perfect. We literally recorded it in our basement. My husband produced it all. And I was like, let's just put it out and see what happens. So then I, I also, it was great experience of like releasing music on your own because I put a song out like every month, basically for 10 months. Yeah. So it was like learning how to be an independent artist, like uploading the songs yourself, doing the photography yourself, doing the videography yourself. I had a publicist that was really my only team members. We hired a, a publicist to try and get some media and like a little bit of buzz going, which was the best like only team member to have uh, for that project because it really just elevated it. And I didn't have any expectations, but we got on a few playlists. And um, I think when the full album came out, we saved two songs for the album and it went, you know, number nine on iTunes. And I was like, I'm cool with that for, you know, a first album and a first little buzz. And then, you know, it's been two years since that album. Yeah. And, uh, I'm obviously excited to like elevate it all. We've got a, a new producer, Danik, who uh, is now full circle working again 10 years ago to now because right. he's done a, a ton too. He's had all these hits in Canada as a producer. So it was really cool to like get back in with him and just elevate it. Like uh, I didn't want to stray away too much from the concept because people do, do know me as, you know, talking autobiographically and, vulnerably this is just kind of like I'm in my 30s now I've learned a little more we've been through the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> so it's still kind of um autobiographical basically for this next album right and I wanted to ask you about the pandemic because for 10 years you were basically running 100 miles an hour on a treadmill like you were doing everything to get this career off the ground and so through 2019 you release your album and you're building up all this momentum and then 2020 hits. What was it like for you as someone who was used to just going, 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 going to all of a sudden have to stop and have nothing to do and not necessarily be able to do anything to move your career forward for a little bit? I kind of loved it. <laughs> you didn't go crazy? <laughs> no, I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed because I didn't know what direction to go in next. And people expect you to like put a song out the next month because that's what you've been doing for a year. Right. But I needed to like readjust, reassess. Okay, what's my next move? And it gave me that time. I wrote a ton of songs. I used to put like at the very beginning of the pandemic um, because we had so much time, I was just writing on my own again. And we would do the little demos and then I'd put them on social media and get feedback from people. That was yeah. just on Instagram. They were called the demo decisions. And, um, I was going to record some of those and then I just kept writing more. And my husband's like, you need to co-write more. I'm like, yeah, but we're in the pandemic. Who the heck are we going to write with? And I didn't want to write with, I didn't want to write on zoom. I just didn't want to write on zoom, but over time it's like, okay, the pandemic's not going away. So I wrote on zoom and it went well, <laughs> like it, it did go well. And I got to write and meet people like you that. I wouldn't normally have gotten to meet unless, yeah. you know, it's forcing us to go on zoom. So then the pandemic kind of slowed down a bit. And I had these two guys come over, Justin bird and Brian, John Harwood, because 
we just connected on social media. We had done another song together for one of their projects. And um, I wanted them to come over and basically help me curate what the next project would be. And oh, like, okay. you know, what the vibe would be, what the sound would be. And they totally understood what I wanted to do. Like more of a grittier, like tomboy, like just being myself as much as possible. Uh, for this next project not that I wasn't myself for the first project but just you know two years later me yeah and uh, they totally got it and we just wrote a ton of songs and then I did the same thing on TikTok that I did at the beginning of the pandemic on Instagram but also putting these demos now these new demos that I was writing with these guys and the people on Zoom on TikTok to get the engagement from TikTok so then that started a whole thing too (laughs) how much of a double-edged sword is it with social media? Because you did get a lot of attention for your music, especially on TikTok. But I know you've talked about sort of the immediacy of it and people hear that one clip and then all of a sudden they want this song now. And maybe if you don't give it to them now, they're going to go away and they're going to lose interest. And so how difficult is that in putting your music out there to see what they think, but then you know, having a release schedule and not just saying, oh, here's the song, here's the song and just throwing it out if it's not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of artists do that on TikTok. They're, they're kind of using it as a marketing tool where they're like, hey, just wrote this song. What do you think? But then like, it's fully recorded. The next week they, they put it out, <laughs> right. the marketing behind it. And it's like, so I'm competing with people like that. But like, I'm just a little independent artist where I'm like, hey, do you actually like this song? Because I'm going to invest a lot of money and go and record this and I'm recording an album. So like it, I, I want your feedback on like a bunch of songs and then tell me which like five you like. Right. Um, so there, that was like an eight, eight month process of, of saying like, here's all these songs, which ones you like, which ones you don't. But then the first one did really well, which was country music. And I still, they had to wait for all these other demos to come out for me to get the feedback. And then I recorded it all and then like figured out the marketing plan and the videos. And then I put the song out. So (laughs) yes, it was like, please stay. I'm not like a signed artist at this point. And it's not a machine. It's me. I need to make sure I'm doing it right because I also haven't put music out in two years. So I want to do it right. Yeah. And uh, I want to get like a little bit more of a team and that takes time. And I think I was just super like open with my audience saying, you know, this is the process you might think you can just put a song out right away, but it's not like it takes time. So I think just telling them that this was my timeline and my process helped a lot too. Right. And coming off the last project and doing it yourself, writing yourself, producing yourself, was it difficult or was it easy to come into this project and sort of let go a bit and do co-writes? And I know you have a couple of songs that you didn't even write that you're cutting. And so how important was that to sort of come into this project with that attitude and not like, I'm just going to do it myself again, because that's what I do, but opening yourself up to the process and to others. Yeah. I've always been open to co-writing. It was just, I guess, because the first album was just about like my feelings. I was like, nobody can really understand my feelings. Right. So I just wrote it all on my own, but for this one, I'm like, yeah, I want to make, I want to make it still autobiographical, but I want to level it up. I want it to be able to be on the radio and be able to compete. So having those other people in that like have that in mind as well, 
um, helps. And then also my producer, he's got um, someone that pitches songs to him for when he's working with artists. And uh, he pitched me these two, or he pitched me a bunch of songs. And the one song that I'm doing that was written by Ingrid Andrus, uh, I had already been pitched before, like six months before when I was working with a different producer. Oh, okay. And I was like, it must be fate that I am, you know, being pitched this song twice. Uh, and then I was like, so I have to do it. So that one is on there. And then there's another song that's actually my next song that'll be out in January that I didn't write. And I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm like, I don't know how the, how it's going to work. I, I'm, it's a great song. Obviously I wouldn't have recorded it if it wasn't great, but it's more like, you know, the wording or, you know, Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw always sing songs that they don't write. So I yeah. just have to like, look at what they say or like, you know, making sure you're giving credit to the writer, but also how I relate to the song and how I think that the audience will relate. So it's a, just a different process of, of recording a song that you didn't write. That's awesome. And you mentioned country music. It's the first single that we do have. So moving into the album, what can fans expect from the sound as compared to country music and compared to your last album? Yeah, country music is very like a simple storyline song. So we didn't go too crazy with production. It's just very like country and um, there's like pedal steel in there and uh, real drums. So it's just very, it, it's about the words in that song. So right. moving forward, like some of the songs, all of my songs are very storyline and, and lyric driven, but there's some songs that are like heavier. Um, Morgan Wallen's production and really his producer joy moy who does all of like hardy and stuff yeah that's my main influence when it comes to sound because i just love them and there's not really a female doing that sound and so when people say like what's your sound or what you're, you're comparable to i like to say if thomas rett and morgan wallen had a baby girl that would be me because <laughs> <laughs> thomas rett's like family values and his songwriting and, and it's very storyline driven. And then Morgan Wallen with his a little bit more grit. He's very like tomboy. Well, he's a guy, but if I was Morgan, I'd be a tomboy. And then uh, the production. So that's kind of, that's the, the sound and the vibe of the album. Well, congratulations on everything, even though it has been a slow climb. I know that especially over the past two years, a lot of stuff has been taken off your dream board and a lot of bucket lists have been crossed off. So it's awesome to see that journey and that it is moving upward. Even if it's slow, it is going upward. So that's a great sign. Yeah. Even like with this release, same thing as an independent artist, you're just throwing something at the wall and hoping that it sticks. You do all your things you can, you can hire this person, hire that person, but you're always still competing like with a label artist. So you, you can't have certain expectations, but you know, getting the cover of Apple playlists and Amazon playlists as an independent artist. It's like, yeah, let's, we're ticking off some of the bucket list things, which is super awesome. So I'm just excited to like, hopefully, like you said, just keep that slow, slow rise going. Thank you once again so much for joining us. And thank you to Ali for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new single, Country Music, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. 
Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Mm-hmm.